A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to the AEW Dynamite Preview. I'm Michael Sidgwick, joined by fellow Dudley boy Michael Hamflit to discuss everything that went down on last night's show. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify and YouTube <laughs> or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts where we preview and review Dynamite, Collision, Raw, Smackdown, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0. Pay-per-views, premium live events. We have wrestler interviews on occasion, roundtable to discussions and a roundup of the week now this week potentially complete with a bloody good quiz of course on wrestle culture hamphlets yeah on this really quite well received dynamite mm-hmm. are you the low guy or mm. the tentative praise guy i really liked it i think i've been higher on more aw this year than this dynamite i just have a really good feeling about aw not specifically Many wrestlers, but I think the product's in good health. I am anticipating AW pay-per-view for the first time since All In, realistically. I think the build to Revolution is giving me the most uh, confidence that AW has found its form again. I just didn't think there was loads on this Dynamite to get massively excited about. I liked it from a character and an angle development point of view. Like, not loads from an... In- I need that less, truthfully, from AW. Like, I like a bit more character development and the sense that I've got less wrestlers to think about and I can be more interested Fewer. in than what they're doing. Uh, but I, it's, I don't, was, was there a massive buzz for this one? I don't think there was a massive buzz. Yeah. I think everyone came out of it, at least on my timeline, thinking, oh, that was really quite strong. Some of the matches were really, really quite sharp. This didn't quite hit trifecta, but that was a good thing, mm. not a bad thing, because it had the match quality for me, and it had the most difficult part of the trifecta, which is angles. Yeah. Getting me interested or more interested in a match. A lot of these people can wrestle incredibly well. A lot of these people on this roster can promo incredibly well. It's that level of detail and angle work, and I got a bit of it, not quite enough, but a bit of it, on this show, which started with Dax Harwood versus John Moxley. Now, if you're a regular watcher or listener of this podcast, you'll be uh, Ufe with uh, Adam Wilborn's brilliant dramatic readings and almost move-for-move recaps. I'm useless at that. My <laughs> brain just can't really compartmentalize and order that kind of thing. So I'm just going to give you my general thoughts and hand over to my colleague, not very esteemed, for his. I really loved this match in a way that I was not expecting. We previewed it yesterday 
Um, I mentioned that it was a 2022 TV dream match. They were mm. both on form working that TV match. They've both been overexposed. We've talked about how that's uh, sort of a problem at large with AEW as an entity at present. So I was, I knew the floor was going to be very good, but I wasn't like jazzed about it. I thought this match was awesome. One thing to get out of the way, this is a move I do remember, and this is a spot that is, I, I hate it. I don't think I've ever liked it. There's a non-consensual kissing spot. Now, I know that professional wrestling is fake. I know that professional wrestlers often work alongside colleagues who they would consider friends, good friends, best friends, or people they can get along with. I know that they agree to this. I think the optics of it are particularly horrendous now. It's not something I've ever enjoyed. I don't even get the point of it. Like, there was I've got two you. as well, so it's almost as if to say, like, oh, well, I've evened it up now. So you're kind of allowing it. I just don't ways. like it, and yeah. I want it. To, I just want it out of professional wrestling, yeah. to be quite honest. Um, so that put me in a little bit of a mood, a bit of a remove from the match, and then they absolutely beat the piss out of each other. Now, you will listen to or read variations of that phrase to describe a hard-hitting match. Now that sort of fighting spirit, strong style psychology is sort of now inextricable with what a, an American match looks like yeah. these days, right? They beat the piss out of each other. It's more pronounced in this match than most. The way I described it when I was uh, watching it and thinking about it is that, you know the Jackass song from the movie, if, you've, if you're going to be dumb, you've got to be tough. Yeah. That was that match. They wrestled. There was a little bit of strategy late on when they were scouting each other's moves and, you know, it's the big counter-driven finishing sequence. But so much of this deliberately was just stupid. Like, they were just stood there absorbing each other's blow. And I think the blows, and I think the biggest theme of the match that I really got into, because it was just really brutally pleasing on a visceral, sicko level, a Neanderthal match, just stubbornness. Like, nah, didn't hurt. Do it again. And I know we see that kind of match. I just thought they did it really well. And they've got the personalities that can do yes. it. Usually, I kind of don't like that about each of them, how hard they want to be or try to be or aspire to be. But it was just so... Believable, for lack of a better word, that these two in particular would go, nah, knee effect, didn't hurt, forearm flush to the cheek. Nah, 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 you'll have to do it. And they were clever enough. I'm not saying they were just two meatheads doing dumb jock wrestling, where there was one particular strike exchange where Dax is like, oh, my leg's going a bit here. I can't sell this because I've got this like toxic masculinity facade that I'm trying to work in this match. But yep, it's going. I'm kind of in trouble. I think there's some subtle stuff done here as well. And what I thought was the biggest achievement realistically is that John Moxley is the most winningest big wrestler in AEW history. I know like Hook's got the record, and I think Perry got to the most wins the most quickly. Yeah, yeah. But in terms of the most big matches, Moxley wins lol, as you've tried <laughs> to sort of christen. Dax always loses, lol. He's mm. probably won the odd singles match, and he'd be cash to advance in the own Hot Cup in 2022. Maybe there's a couple of sprinkled in collision, but he always loses the TV matches. They were getting to that 16th, 17th minute where I'm thinking, this is going to a draw. And what a good way to set up FTR versus BCC as a tag. I really thought this was going to a draw, and I just thought this had untold drama considering where you know both wrestlers are at. And like Dax just seems happy to work singles matches as long as he gets to do it. Mm. Mox kind of likes to win a lot. So I thought it was a real big achievement. And I've done enough effusive praise of this match because I know for a fact we talked about it earlier, Hamlet did not like it very much. I'm glad you liked it as much as you did and thus had so much to say because I felt like, like watching it this morning and then thinking about this podcast and us sitting down to record it, I felt like what I see 
out of you, or what I used to see out of you, when we'd be talking Before about... Before I died inside. When we were talking about yet another Judgment Day tag in 2023, like a tag main event of Raw, Judgment Day versus Insert Baby Faces, that I kind of couldn't wait to get into the studio to talk about. And you were just saying, yeah, action was good. I've got not a single thing left to say about it. I've got no... I can't summon any thoughts anymore on this action that is yeah. happening in front of me. Even though crowds come up for it, even though I can acknowledge that the work is solid. Like... It, there was not a single bit of inspiration coming to me to be able to analyse it in any way. This was that. I kind of felt as if, maybe it's the point you were making at the start of your analysis where the style has been just so, like... well homogenised to all hell. Homogenised. It was welcomed into, North, like, North American pro wrestling probably in... Probably when, like, New Japan got well, hot. That's what happened. New Japan yeah. got hot and they thought, well, that's the way to get acclaim and yeah. to get heat and that's just in... It's in vogue. I... So rarely got a feeling that I was watching John Moxley and Dax Harwood more that I got two creative wrestlers doing that style. I like, it's a theme of this show because I thought this was a good show from the point of view of a promotion. I felt like this was, there was good wrestling promotion throughout the show. And considering this is match to build a match, I thought this was quite effective promotion for the tag. I do want to watch the tag. I think the tag will have personality. I felt for a change this week, the BCC weren't, like, there was no ambiguity about who the BCC were this week. You know, like, they're a couple of arseholes. Um, that'll change again in a few weeks' time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, you know, save the position against the Young Bucks or something, they'll have to switch it up. But in terms of the FTR match and what I'm allowing myself to anticipate and expect out of that, a lot to get excited about. Like, the exchanges, the idea that, like, FTR, like, Dax will take his knowledge of Moxley to cash and they will work on the specific types of cutoffs and moves that can actually stop this seemingly unstoppable man whilst also thinking about how on earth you deal with the Claudio problem. Yeah, the, the human horse. It's so interesting to me. Like, I love that. And that uh, that's why I don't mind this match. I got I felt zero watching the actual singles match itself. Zero. For we should it. get better taste. One thing I have missed on the recap is that in the post-match, the finish, which is really important, I just, <laughs> just missed it. Um... So the finish is I kick your ass. Uh, Moxley has Dax the bulldog choke. There is that wave of the arm. He's kind of okay. Nah, nah, nah. It's relentless. I have to tap. I have to tap. Moxley refuses to relinquish the hold. This summons an infuriated Cash Wheeler who tries to go to town on Mox. And those punches. I love Cash Wheeler so much. More Cash Wheeler singles matches, mm -hmm. please. That could genuinely be a good device because that FTR pop, by the way, is non-existent now. Yeah, it's gone. Barely, like, it's not it's just that the new road warrior pop that they were getting in 2022, it was barely even a pop. Mm. And I think Dax had to drop a hard F, that F bomb. Like, that's effing go, he said on the ramp, because he kind of needed that yeah. um, adrenaline. Um, maybe Cash Wheeler doing singles matches would help. I don't know. Maybe it's just the lifespan of an act. Who the hell knows? But Cash Wheeler came down. He tried to get vengeance for his partner. His punches to Moxie looked great. It looked like you've just taken the pace done something horrible and I'll do it back to you like mm. Cash Wheeler so um, goddamn underrated especially off the back of the collision brawl that was super heated yes. they don't yeah. like each other yeah you know this is this is already pre-established disliking indeed but because Dax is already weakened when Claudio comes in they're, they're able to get the um the, the, the jump mm. on FTR, if you like. Then later in the show, it is announced that on next week's Dynamite, it's going to be FTR versus Claudio and Mox. Interesting, because I thought, oh, that's your revolution match. Mm. So there's going to be, you'd expect, either a gimmicked version of that or something different. It's just a weird detail that I'm into. Oh, God, I've only just thought about something. If 
So it's not even like you can get to the tag belts until after revolution. So maybe you're setting up a match for big business, like Young Bucks New Champions versus one of these two teams. What if, not to worry you, what if this spirals out a little bit and it's BCC versus FTR Supergroup with whoever, I don't know, pick your partners, for revolution? Absolutely wonderful. Just what I wanted to hear. I had the exact same uh, (laughs) fear myself. And after that, we go to the back and, uh, well, my uh, cock got ripped off in this moment because the it was announced by Don Callis that the re-debuting, I guess, or the yeah. full-time debuting Will Ospreay will wrestle at Revolution Kanulsuke Takeshita. Oh, my God. I mean, that should be absolutely out of this mm-hmm. world. The reasoning was a bit weird. Um, basically, he said that following um, the wins of Powerhouse Hobbs, and Takeshita over Chris Jericho, that no one even wants to come near the Callas family to wrestle them. It's not really up to them anyway. It's up to Tony Khan, but regardless. I was kind of the last guy on the roster to fight the Callas family. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Oh, my God. So Callas says, like, look, we want to exhibit the fact that we're the best, so we're going to have a match between the Callas family to do that. Um, and then was it pointed out to him that that was a bit weird? And then by Rene Paquette? Yeah. And then Callas in response said, well, my uh, parents... Used to make me and my brothers fight in the backyard all the time. And that worked out okay. Once my dad had a few beers, he'd send us out back to fight. And as, I, if, as it was sport for his dad. And I love the, the punchline. I worked out okay. And it's like when he's one of the, you know, the biggest like sort of sociopaths in the promotion. I thought that was quite cute. Look, it feels like, I said this and it's not like a hot take or anything insightful. Will Ospreay is coming in as a baby face. Yeah. He needs to distance himself from Don Callis and the family as soon as possible. This match at Revolution, in addition to being the most spectacular, horrifyingly, physically impactful, brutal match you could think of in the world right now, they're going to kill each other, basically, um, is a mechanism to make the thing that needs to happen, happen. And I think the, 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 the reasoning, as thin as it is, isn't terrible. No, it's, uh, the match it could is, be worse. The match is great. Um, but it's basically, I, this match exists to be the match, and it's one of the better matches that can justify this really thin reason for why it's happening. Just a pretty contrived reason for why it's happening. Do you know what I love, though? And this is what I want to, like, make such a big... I want to make a big point of why this feels different and why I don't want to come across like a hypocrite of the cards I was criticising at the back end of last year. All Out was the one that sticks out because people love that card, and it was just a bit much for me. But uh, the reliance on matches of a quality of what we can anticipate out of Osprey and Takeshita was vital to their pay-per-views last year because the TV was pretty weak or the stories that they're telling weren't that engaging. It's like a bonus now, isn't it? It's, this is, Revolution already is a card with range. And I was going to say it's only half full. It's probably only a quarter full. Ah, sadly, that's my only worry now. It's got such range. And right now we have our killer potential five-star match on the card whilst, not to say that the Young Bucks can't work magic with Darby Allen's thing, but do you, you know what I mean? That, I know, that, I know. That top-level five-star singles match, we have the opportunity to present the very best match in the world. It's not um, an unfair expectation to put on this that they will be chasing match of the year honours with this. And it's Osprey's formal debut in AEW or as an AEW wrestler. So great. Like, not everything in Revolution has to be that. It's, you know, they can all do different jobs. That's what a perfect pay for you should be, really, when you're aspiring for perfect. Don Callis establishing himself as kind of, he's, he's found that Paul Heyman role, hasn't he? So Kenny, this was much the same. When he came back with Kenny, 
the turn was inevitable. Yeah. Like Kenny was with him until basically a baby, not so much a baby face turn, but Callis turns on Kenny. It's going to happen on Osprey. I like the booking. I genuinely do. I worry a bit because Callis has got form now. I worry that what looks like a great match and Will Osprey's launching pad becomes in the summer. Who are we talking about again? Don Callis. It should be, they need to fix that. In 2024, it needs to be about the wrestlers and not him. But he is integral to getting Osprey started. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Uh, up next on the show, a bit of an unnecessary segment. Um, Wardlow defeats an enhancement talent named uh, Barrett Brown, I'm reliably informed. Um, he's got a big brace on his knee, but evidently he is able to work through it. It's a two-match, it's a two-match, two-move match where the second move is utterly pointless because the first one is so devastating. He does, I forget the name of it, it's the... Basically, it's the GTS where he does yeah. it. He drags him from the top turnbuckle into his knee. He then parades around the ring after some posing and taunts uh, with the powerbomb position, slams him down. There you go. And I guess the cute detail here, and that's a bit of a stretch, is that Adam Cole joins for commentary, except he doesn't need to commentate because there's barely any match to commentate upon, and then says, thank you for the conversation or something, and Wardlow wins. Again, this feels like... I don't like it because the ranking system will eventually reflect this win, mm -hmm. even though it only exists for Wardlow to transparently go up the rankings at some point after Revolution. Yeah. Like, anyone could do that. I don't really buy it. It's just fake stat padding, the likes of which we used to see on Dark, um, which is not good. We've never said the ranking systems are perfect. Yeah. We just said they are sort of necessary, given the sporting vibe AEW tries to attempt. Um, and realistically, like, the whole point of a squash match is when you are launching a new character, right? Um, the whole point is, you say, right, okay, obviously there, there's raw potential. Let's, this is exciting. Like, how awesome do these power moves look? Let's see if one day they can put it all together and work the necessary, obligatory back and forth. That has to happen at some point, as much as we see it too often all over the card. We kind of know at this point that Wardlow's not ideal at it. He's, I don't think he's terrible at it, but my God, there's scores of wrestlers on that roster who can do the main event much better than he does. So what is this for? It feels like, it just feels doomed. You know what I mean? Yeah. If not, if not doomed, if that's too cynical, it certainly feels like, well, we know what's next. I feel like there's pros and cons to this. I think Wardlow, like obviously the knee maybe isn't perfect. So... They're thinking, well, we want to use him, but obviously a squash is what he does anyway. But the fact that he's not going to like sort of have any more bother with his leg while he gets recovered. The thing for me is him being featured, I think I like the presentation of the Undisputed Kingdom here. I did like the Cole commentary bit and I liked Wardlow. Bit. The fact that Wardlow is being used at all, when my criticism would have been, where's he gone? Like the last thing you need in this stable right now is to not really be featured. So the fact they're putting him out there shows this commitment to the cause. I think your point about the rankings is you key. You could describe it as an obligation. No. A narrative obligation. Well, like, but but a, a worthy one, okay. I think. Like, if you're, trying to get, if you're trying to get this Wardlow character back to where he once was, you need to keep at it. I think you need to, like, it's one of them situations where you do need to remind the viewers as often as possible that he is a threat because he has been... Is he just beating some guy? Well, this is the thing, right? He has been lapped by a lot of people in... in a lot, Triple H. In a lot of people's minds of... <laughs> You know, who are going to be like an a, not just a, like a I big know, monster, I, I an AEW original done good. He's, there's, there's loads of wrestlers that have overtaken him. But 
I think by using him like this, even though he's clearly injured, it's them wanting to get him on television. And I think that's a plus. The rankings issue is an interesting one. There is no harm to the, both the ranking system and to Wardlow's credibility if on commentary, they just say, they don't need to give you specifics. They just say, well, obviously different opponents like have a differing effect on the rankings. Yes. I don't need them to do that. Cody Rhodes, well, every body part is going to be 6% damage or whatever. That would have been stupid. But I can absolutely buy that this win here isn't anywhere near as good for his ranking position as, let's say, Hangman Page drawing with Swerve. I can get that. Yeah. I can, one match is bigger and harder and has higher stakes. I can totally buy that. And I think most wrestling fans can. That little bit of extra effort is needed with this Wardlow push because, as you say, otherwise we just get back to the stat padding days and that was really deflating, wasn't it, when you didn't even realise a wrestler had just rocketed up yeah. in the background. Now, if anything, you use that against the Undisputed Kingdom. Adam Cole is trying to put his monster against a bunch of losers in order to like game the system and just have the commentators, Tony Khan, whoever say, no, that's not how this system works. Yes, all the wins are going to get him to the title shot, but... It's 20 of these losers for one hangman pitch. Yeah. For example. You know, like, as long as you acknowledge that, I think this this can go again. I'll let it play out, but I just, away from the explanations, no, I just don't feel it from Wardlow. That, I just don't oh, feel it. And that you're not alone. You're not alone. The emotion will try trump data, numbers, rankings every single day. Mm. And I don't think they'll lose sight of that, but just feels, I don't want to say a waste of time, but it feels like it's going to be a slog, a real slog. And if you get Nicardra and Osprey in, and then you're building Wardlow, who we know didn't really do it at the TNT title level, to be a main event talent. It just feels like, I don't know, like the ship has sailed. A busted push. Um, Adam Copeland um, and Daniel Garcia went to an ultra-rare no contest thanks to interference from the patriarchy. Next, and I thought the timing of the two big heel finishes on the show mm. was both tremendous. You don't want these really great matches so close to revolution, which is kind of sold on the strength of great matches and your emotional investment. Mm. I thought it was a really sharp idea to have both this match and then the Young Bucks match later on the show end just when you were getting into it. Yeah. Because then if you... This one especially, because then you risk, one it, you risk it. We rip off. Like if obviously, the finish is supposed to exist for artistic reasons, yes. not making the punters feel like they've yes. been cheated. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And if you... We talked about this with... I guess old world WWE so mm. often like the heat is with the booker. You just, we know how it works. Yeah. I never feel like a heel for cheating is, you know, a dickhead who I resent as a result. But because every result is so clean and definitive in AEW elsewhere, if you do this every now and then, it really works. Yeah. I was like, are you dickhead Christian Cage? He's you done, dickhead it. He's, Christian he's done Cage. it as well, hasn't he? I he's the one that's so. taking the most advantage of this. Yeah. And it's like, and again, it's it's one thing enough that his whole character is based on carrying his belt that he's yeah. never really deserved. Yeah. And this is another part of that, isn't it? Yeah. So that's a basic thrust is that uh, Garcia kind of has edges number throughout. Um, it's a really direct strategy to try and get at that leg. He wrestles it wonderfully. This is really quite slow burn, nice, mm. elegant, professional wrestling. So Garcia's wrestling through the arm that Copeland targets. Uh, Copeland's wrestling through the leg that Garcia targets. It sounds boring when you say it out loud, but generally it was really quite yeah, elegant and slow burn. And it all links to this one really, really cool spot where, so Edge has got his leg worked on the entire match, but then he eventually kind of fights through it, doesn't forget that it hurts, and he's about to do the spear, 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 bursting out of the corner, but then he just realizes, oh God, that hurts, limps, 
and then Garcia just jams him the jackknife pin after a punt, and it really feels because it's timed out so well. Oh, is this the moment? Mm-hmm. Because they've done such a good job as well of establishing Garcia as someone above that level of really good wrestler who exists to take pins, basically, by winning a lot on collision of late. So the talk was, could there be a shock in the air? And notably, there's ambiguity. Copeland doesn't beat him. I don't mm-hmm. know if that is to protect Garcia ahead of other ventures. I don't know if that's because he's got a big part to play in this storyline or what. I'll get to the post-match because I always forget. So the Patriarchy interfere, rare no, con- uh, rare no contest. Uh, the Patriarchy beat down both Garcia and Copeland, mainly Copeland. Copeland gets back into it, gets nutted by, um, what she called again? Nick Wayne's mom. Nick Wayne's mom. A mother. A mother. And then he gets concertoed. Yes. Now, there's, I mean, nothing really gets sold in wrestling anymore. But you'd think with them two, there's an idea to have Copeland off TV for weeks. This was really weird, isn't it? Are you going to mention what the commentator said? Like, he walked back. What? He got back. He got back on his feet. We know oh, I completely forgot. I, we, I missed we, that. We know this in kayfabe that apparently he was able to get back to the locker. He's, he's going to be all right. Because I was with you, I was all like, people Copeland would do the concerto. And then I had this fantasy book in my head of, oh, he's going to miss Revolution because yeah, of this. Garcia gets to Revolution. That drives a resentment heel turn. Could still do it. Why like, do it then? Because he, like, he could be selling like head injury and stuff. Even the, though he's oh, right, so in his next match, he gets cleared yeah. by an incompetent medical staff. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, hang on, I'm a bit woozy here. Yeah. Let it play out, because you'd think out of all the people in AEW, Adam Copeland would know how to sell or want want to sell the concerto. What are your thoughts on all of this? Really, really love the match. It was class, wasn't it? Loved it. It's unfair to consider Adam Copeland a wish Christian Cage, but sometimes it does come across that way in terms of his patter, in terms of him having that similar but not quite the same ability to know the whens and the whys of where to put things in matches. Christian is next level, but above almost everybody in in wrestling at that. But Edge, Adam Copeland, is really good at that too. We talked yesterday on the preview about how he kind of mastered it as a heel in the mid-2000s in WWE. It was one one of the reasons why he was one of the only people to get booed against John Cena, wasn't it? He cracked the code like so few did in that era. Got booed here, I should mention as well. And he played into that. What I felt I was watching here was Adam Copeland being wise and experienced enough to know that that was a possibility, not a guarantee, but a possibility. And then as it occurred in the match, remembering that he's in a different company where the kind of creative expression is going to be rewarded rather than chastised. When he did the Garcia dance for the heat, notably with his back to the hard camera, by the way, he just saw a section of the fans and thought, I'm going to have some patter with you here. And he kind of put himself over as the, not cocky, but overconfident veteran that maybe, the, the point of the dance was, I don't really take this guy seriously. Yeah. So then you, when you get into the real guts of it later on, as you say, that finish especially, or the near finish, at this point, it's he has wrestled his way into forcing me to respect him. I should have done this more before the bell. Yeah. I'm a baby face, I'm virtuous, and I haven't taken him seriously enough, and I will learn from my mistake next time. Like an artistic triumph for me. Uh, Daniel Garcia is back. Daniel Garcia is Daniel all Garcia. the way back. The same wrestler that I instantly fell in love with when he like first broke out big in, uh, it was 2021 when yeah. I found him and then he almost immediately landed in AEW. 
which was great because I couldn't have been any higher on him. And then he gets these like little showcase opportunities here and there. And he's at, we loved when he was analysing his own defeats on Twitter and he stuff. Gave like himself that. room to improve. Yeah, that that wrestler is back, and I, I actually like that. It's the one saving grace of a mostly terrible run alongside Chris Jericho is there isn't actually any harm in keeping a couple of the bits that got you over. And I think we're starting to see the, the fully formed Danny Garcia. There's no problem in being the Red Death wrestler with the dance that pops the crowd. Yeah. And he's finding the way to do both. And it's it's giving his opponents new things to do within the matches as well. Like a total success and like a nice forward into the Christian Cage storyline within it. It's almost... Tacitly suggests that Christian Cage doesn't want any of Daniel Garcia either. Yeah. It's a bonus for him, for, yeah. for neither of them to get near his title. I will say that one of my absolute least favourite devices, and this is very WWE, and Copeland and maybe even Christian Cage, they probably collaborate with Tony Khan on these storylines. Mm. I mean, evidently they do. Maybe have that WWE brain in them. If this goes to a three-way, a revolution, I'll probably be a bit cross. One, there's already one on the yeah. show. Two, Christian Cage doing that age-old... Well, if I chin them both or attack them both, that means I get no one to wrestle. Oh, oh that's both. <laughs> I've made a right blunder there. I hate it. Yeah. I absolutely hate it. Um, I know the baby faces are meant to be clever, but the heels can't be that stupid. Um, so I hate it. And I uh, conditional hate this, actually. Well, if the rankings just step in and answer that question for us, and there's another challenger that like is in the rankings and Christian cares, well, it's fallen to so-and-so, so I'll give them the shot. We'll see. There's a lot of faith in these rankings. Yeah, don't know if it's being rewarded quite yet, but it's another development that we will let play out. I didn't like the next part of the show very much. I didn't see many people raving about it. I didn't see many people having an opinion about it, and I think that is because it had advanced very, very little. So basically, Hamlet, as you, as you know, what happens is that ahead of the show, mm -hmm. they say we will hear from Samoa Joe, Swerve Strickland, and Hangman Page. Right yeah. now, because it's not fake, you think, all right, we're going to get separate interviews, or we're going to get a three-person sit-down, or a three-person in-ring. Promo trains are premised on interruptions. They advertised a promo train. What if Swerve and Page just didn't want to come out? Yeah. False advertising. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can't, like, promo trains are contrived enough as it is, yeah. without literally advertising one. So I had problems with the way this was all set out. It just felt like, what have we got for these next week? I'm hoping it's, well, we know what we've got two weeks before the show, mm. a great heat angle or a great twist or the best material for their go-home promos. What's for this week? And something. So we got something this week. That something was, Samoa Joe comes out first and his delivery's unbelievable. He gets great heat, even with a pretty wonky logic line. He basically comes out, addresses the fact that it's going to be a three-way, and then says... Well, they've found a way to make it just like Texas. They've made my match bigger and dumber. And again, it is dumb in like triple threat matches, three matches are dumb. Mm -hmm. The champion shouldn't have to not be there for the fall. I mean, that's just ridiculous, that. It, yeah. It's one of those things where They're it's hanging so, a lampshade almost really on, yeah, the, on, the, yeah, yeah. on this thing being bad. Yeah. And then them booking it anyway. They've... <laughs> It's just been normalized. It's yeah. one of those things in wrestling. That's just been normalized. It's never re really made the most sense. It's not fair, and you want AEW to be the fair yeah. league. Anyway, so Joe comes out. It's delivery so good that he can hang a lantern on something, and it's fine. Um, and that draws out Swerve, who I'm a big Swerve Strickland guy. I've been saying for as long as he has, realistically, which is part of the problem. Yeah, strap him up. Give him a run at it. 
Yep. He's earned it. He's hot. He feels like a player. In a meritocracy, Swerve Strickland, out of 2023, was probably the guy who was most deserving to take that title, if not Joe. And he just says the same thing he's been saying for a long time. He's been grinding for 15 years. It's all pretty generic wrestling. This is that premise reestablishment stuff. You yes. Yeah, where this it's is just like the, the stuff that I really don't like in WWE and why I didn't like this, where he basically says the same things he's been saying for a long old time. Um, I've been grinding for 15 years. I'm since become undeniable. I'm one of the best in the world. I need that title to prove it. I, I, I've heard this. Hangman Page comes out, and I love and hate this in equal measure. I know why you love it. Right. He does. He references a drill tweet. <laughs> one of the best drill tweets, which accurately captures how people are just have this desperate veneer to win on the internet, even though no one ever wins. No one ever wins. That's the problem with the internet and socials and all the rest of it. So the famous drill tweet... Um, if you don't know, is um, please, I'm not mad, please don't put it in the newspaper that I'm mad. <laughs> and then Hangman Page, who's just brilliant, says, like, I'm not mad, don't put it in the weekly Dynamite report that I got mad. <laughs> okay, but this is horse. Shh. Yeah. His explanation, it's another problem with the ranking system that I don't want to bury, I do not want to bury this ranking system. I've tried to manifest it since it was abandoned in the first place, but Correct me if I'm wrong at any point. Nicholas, you can step in. Our wonderful, handsome producer. Swerve was one. Hangman was two. Yep. Okay. Swerve is 2-1-0 now against Hangman Page. Two wins, a draw, and a loss. Yep. Um, tainted though they may be, which is Hangman Page's problem. It's still on the record. Mm. So one and two go to a draw, and they become one and one. That's Joe's problem with it. Yep. Hangman's two but he doesn't think one is worthy of being one, even though he's beaten two twice. It's Hangman's heel without, logic where it falls down for me. This I can take the one and one. I can take a draw. And the, the problem, I guess, comes is that they probably both should have been one and one going into the match. Yes, not one Rather than one and two, because that's where, like, and I don't think that's Paige's fault. I think he's trying to make sense of it as part of this heel turn. He's I think he overthought like, it, but he can't make sense of it either. No, yeah. So it's a double-edged sword. Maybe because this. he's a heel, it doesn't matter that he can't fashion out a thing that makes sense because that's almost informing. It's He's meant to be clutching at things. Maybe they should have left it at two, booked the match, and then him arguing, well, I'm just as uh, deserving as you are. And Swerve at least can then say, you're literally not as deserving as me. Look at the rankings. You are number two and I'm number one, and you have been lucky that they have decided to put us both in this match instead of just me. Maybe that would have been a smarter way to do it because then the heel would have been lying to themselves. Hangman is using flawed logic, but they are both one, so he's right as well. It's weird. It's, it's just a bit weird. Mixed up. It's, it's a bit weird. Mixed up. It's a bit mixed up. I feel like they've got to the end of the story. The match has been established. It's confirmed now. Yeah. I don't know where they go with this. I'm assuming and slash hoping that they've got something more to do in the weeks to come. This felt very much like we've got the killer lines for the go home. We've got, an, we've got a heat angle, a pull apart. Let's just maintain. And it was just a bit boring and maybe a bit overthought at the same time. And bang up for the match because I think they've done a good job. Wonky ranking stuff notwithstanding. I, I get it. You've yep. got the two best guys who aren't yet the champion and they cannot be separated for different reasons. One can't beat the other clean. The other can't, um, like, beat the other clean, as we've seen. There's just no separation between them. I get it, but I think I'm done with it until the match. Yeah. The, I didn't... It's always yeah. an inherent problem with three-way matches and building them anyway. It is. It it's is. just hard. It's difficult to do. I didn't mind any individual promos. So I don't fault for Dean it, but I'm, I, I am excited. 
I didn't really feel like the promos particularly crashing into each other. I felt like they could have been delivered on separate podiums and had nothing to do with the other. It never felt like there was the verbal back and forth didn't really feel authentic. So I've got to come out and say what my character is currently thinking while yeah. I'm saying what my... The, I don't know that Joe's going to be a... Tra- tra- I think he's going to be a transitional champion. I think Swerve's winning at Revolution, but let's let's assume he is for this, right? But there's there's two sides to... I never being, assume. Yeah. There's two sides to being a transitional champion. One is what we've discussed. I think you made the point w- within the hook feud, which was just when Tony Khan was looking to try and re-establish this relationship and the bond with a fan base that he may be alienating in 2023. Yeah, the most universally credible guy who no one hates. So reliable. The aid of that is that, and I said this to you yesterday off air, I think the top of the card in AW feels a little lightweight at the moment, and this promo was quite lightweight. Swerve, talking about his 15-year career, should be a lot more... It should be sitting down with Jim Ross. You know, there's a setting for Swerve to tell you why this is his moment and he's ascending. This was not that. And when they're literally not in the main event because the, the Sting program feels bigger, I understand why you would almost want it to fit in that semi-main spot rather than the, the top of the card. But it's still weird in AEW when the world title doesn't feel like the, the top the top thing. And But like I say, that's the double-edged sword of a, what the, the spot Joe's in. If you're there to just be Mr. Reliable, also you stand a chance of your programs not necessarily having the most fire to them. Maybe Tony Khan slash AEW has undermined this yet further. Swerve felt unequivocally like the guy in late... 2023, so much so that when the Joe MGF match happened, and you think, I think he's, win- I think Joe's winning. It was like, what about Swerve? Yeah, it has to be Swerve. Mm-hmm. They're signing a, a Carter, and they've got Osprey, and now it's like, oh well, Osprey kind of has to be the champion, or a Carter should be pushed as the ultimate ace to get the maximum value out of him. They've already, before he's even become the man, kind of undermined Swerve's claim for being the man. Did you see? I think it was Suit Williams. I apologize if it was somebody else on on X. Just. Set, like, and it wasn't this sort of intentional hot take. It was just an opinion. Uh, bring Okada in and strap him up straight away. Like, And as soon as I read that, that's the first time since we've had all these Okada, which sides are going to go to, where I've thought, oh, I've just seen the vision of something I actually want to see out of Okada in AEW. The Raymaker Shock Part 2. Exactly that. And like He has to be the best. And I agreed with it. And then straight away, lots of, oh, what about Swerve? And I thought, oh, yeah, what about Swerve? And the, but because the, the pitch was, I think, Okada Joe, big business. And it would be massive, as you say, Rainmaker Shock adjacent. And Okada's got the belt immediately credible. Nobody would question it. And what about the rankings? The top <laughs> the top matches feel mega fresh, as opposed to all of these chats where we're like, do you really want to see these Okada matches? They're not him with the belt. You, you do. Yeah. And then, yeah, as you say, have you accidentally like reduced Swerve's status at the worst possible time? I, know. I, I don't know. We'll see. I think you strap him up at Revolution. I think almost... In light of the fact that you're going out on a big heel victory with the Young Bucks, it's, it gets to, you hide it. Like Swerve is maybe not a confetti and streamers title win. It's big for him. And then you watch that title reign develop and build as you go along. So I even think it's a perfect place in the way for him to win the belt in, in this setting. But I, I wish it was, for these three, I wish it was Revolution tomorrow. Yeah, I know. Which is sometimes an issue. Same, same. Uh, up next, it was uh, the wet ink, the eagerly awaited next feature by Toneless Timey Storm <laughs> um, on AEW Dynamite. As expected, as expected, the whole gist is that um, she's covering up the tattoo that she uh, previously had a matching one with Diana Parazzo. She narrates uh, footage of the tattoo being inked and 
some of her lines are fantastic and she builds it and builds it and builds it. So she's basically talking about how um, Diana Prazzo was her young girl. Uh, she got uh, signed to a major. She took her under her wing in Japan. And, you know, she suckled at the teat of timeless Tony Storm. Tom, toneless Timey Storm, where are my manners? <laughs> so she suckled at the teat and then she bit the tit that fed. <laughs> Wonderful line. All of this is really funny, like genuinely effective. The tattoo, we didn't get it right because it was a bit of a... Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Basic idea, I think. Uh, the tattoo is the tattoo with... One half of a dagger, the handle, if you like, mm-hmm. and then the blade underneath either side. A dagger's going through the heart of Diana Parazzo, yeah. basically. Right. Then we go to the back to get Diana Parazzo's reaction to this, like, lifelong commitment <laughs> of a tattoo in theory, right? And then she goes, ah, oh, it's heartbreaking. I'll break her arm, bitch. <laughs> right. Two things I'd like to point out. I give this an up on whatculture.com slash WWE if you want a transcript of this podcast, on my part in it at least, right? I gave it an up because it was a creative beat in the best women's story AEW's told in well over a year, if not yeah. longer, okay? And Toneless Timey was really, really strong in her bit of it, right? 
One, if this is a real tattoo, right? I know people get them like the eat hot dinners these days, right? But it's still kind of like I'm still going to the effort yeah. of changing my body essentially, right? And I've got one. I've got a tattoo. So I'm not anti-tattoo or anything like that. I'm just going to show you. Different day. Different day. <laughs> Different podcast. Different podcast. What culture nights? What culture nights? If it is a real tattoo, right, you've got to sell it more than that. It was so undersold. Not Diana Parazzo's fault. She was told you have to stand there for 10 seconds and yeah. like it. It was as if she'd like seen a um, an advanced copy of the film and she'd had like a few days to process it. Yes. It wasn't just right now we're getting on live telly. This is less than ideal. I've just got a camera in front of my face while I'm She could have had like five minutes to talk about the friendship yeah. or something. Uh-huh. If it's a fake tattoo and she's got a henna or a temporary that lasts longer, I don't know how any of this works. My tattoo was like half a lifetime ago. <laughs> so old. Pretend it's real because it's wrestling you can yeah. work these things and it's still the same difference what are your thoughts on all this um i liked it before you said the word tits that is an up in my book every single time i i, I just liked it unequivocally before the diana Prazzo reaction that's the reality of this this was a really like the um just ideas details the, the toneless timey storm character yeah. has drawn the most criticism when they've done these mini movies when they've done these out of the ring presentations this is tethered to yeah this is the way you do these mini films these little presentations because as long as it's within there going right back to the first time she like even did the promo where she first threw the shoe and her hair was disheveled with like Lexi Nair on collision as long as and that was because she lost the title to Hikaru Shida days earlier as long as it is based rooted in reality this character works really really yeah. well and it's just it helps when it's funny as well yeah and she's like she's super committed to it it looked great it sounded great so it's what it's the best in every respect production values that's what he likes it's what matters the most uh it's it's the best of all of these so far by far um and as you say a tattoo is like super committed so you're watching it going jesus if this is real wow remember jericho pitched it for him and punk and punk was game, punk was game for it and you think god yeah that would have been an incredible visual um i the Prazzo thing was just a little bit uh tna coded <laughs> i just say they were guilty of this like 99 times out of 100, how to kill something that you've just done a really good job of is by having the next segment almost under underplay it and yeah. undersell it. Perazzo, maybe she just knew it was coming. Maybe she was. Maybe they were trying to have the cake and eat it a bit and say, look, Perazzo's a smart baby face, and when she reads wet ink, she knows what's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, so I don't know, sometimes you've got to fake this in wrestling. I don't know, I just felt so undersold. But like, you know why? It's because women were involved, and it's AEW. Yeah, like, no time. It's, it's time and commitment, isn't it? It's, it's timeless. Like, it's, time, it's timeless. It is literally timeless. We're giving you five seconds. Yes. Listen, then get it. It's just really, I, I was just like, oh, wait. I think it'll be fine. Like, I, I think the... I'd say I'm all in now. Buzzing for the match. I still think I, I love... They could it. do nothing else. I'm, yeah. I think it's been a really well-told story. Them use... We talked about this on another podcast. Them using, like, ankle-based offense is old world AEW, isn't it? Yeah. Like, building... Like, they haven't really attacked before, and then they're building it into this match. Yeah. I think the match is going to be fantastic on the night. Yeah, so much to it. My only worry is, and I know we're weeks ahead, stepping on our own fortnight away dicks, is that it's the slot. Yeah. It's like that card is looking ridiculous already, and you know what Tony's going to do. <laughs> they can make him follow Osprey but like eight, and put eight more matches yeah. on top of everything. We'll see. Maybe that's unwarranted cynicism. Give them we the opener. We'll see. They're not getting the main. Give them the opener. The hottest crowd. They'll never get an opener. I've been trying to manifest that one for a long time and yeah. it just ain't happening. Uh, up next, the Young Bucks, Matthew and Nicholas Jackson, to use their God-given names, even though it's Matthew and Nicholas Massey, which is a good bit. Uh, <laughs> Please, defeated, Matthew, Matthew Ron John. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
defeated Top Flight. Now, this is very much old world, the detail that I like out of AEW. For the second consecutive match, they wrestle in the blood-stained white suits, which are now developing a brownish tint just to really sort of reflect just how, like... Long, uh, long ago it's been, how much it's lingering in your memory. I think that's a really good detail, right? Okay. Um, how to describe this match? It is, if you are expecting a Young Bucks versus Top Flight, capital B, banger, I would argue it's not the time or place. Not that at all. Um, it's It was weird. Like, So basically, they are experimenting the Young Bucks with the idea of, right, we are being proper heels now. We've kind of done the hyperactive, bratty heel stuff our entire careers. I think there's like a more maturity to the layout here. They went a bit long on the yep. heat sequences and they're slowing it down. It's um, 2024 Mick Foley anti-hardcore. He's an ECW and the thing that's going to piss them off the most is him grabbing a headlock. Yes. And going against everything Cactus Jack has ever done. They were dialing down those yeah. high spots. I mean, they still came off the top turnbuckle. You don't decide to be... If you're Nick Ellis or Matthew Jackson, you don't then decide, right, we'll have to be Timothy Thatcher now. That's obviously not how it works, well, but you do rein it in to a degree. I don't... Do you know what impresses me the most about them reining it in? Because you're right, they have to go up to the top once in a while. We've talked about this before. Sometimes to get these reviews in, we might have to watch wrestling on 1.25 or 1.5. I don't. I, I, it like, helps me a lot in the mornings. I'll skip all the entrances instead, which is his favourite thing. They've, uh, often true, they've um, somehow managed to control their bodies to 0.75. How are they doing that? Like, it's the way they're hitting the ropes and the way they're like, it, like that's, that's a movement thing that's so impressive. Well, here's the thing, right? I, I'm doing Triple H again. He's infected us all. <laughs> So I've got two points to make about why this worked, even if it wasn't a great match. They right, First of all, if they wanted to do 12 minutes, let's just go 1.75 speed, a million miles per hour, whatever, and get an easy four and a half. Yep. They could do that in their sleep. And I think this would have been worse for and it. And this would have been worse for it. This makes so much sense within the context of their characters to do a longer heat than we're accustomed to to basically the Young Bucks have now evolved into a team where they are the ones who deprive fans of that exhilaration and investment. Like the other ones now who when top flight in an early sequence motion to do an over-the-top stereo dive, and it was the Bucks who went, high spot, no, 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 we're going to walk away from that. Yeah. The other ones who deprive you of the high-risk thrill in the matches mm-hmm. now, that one, that'll take some getting used to. Two is the fact that they are not only deliberately restricting their own movement, as much as I like the visual, the suits aren't helping. You could feel, like, can you imagine wrestling in, like, jeans? I'd, I know some wrestlers do. Moxley had to get the magic ones in the Dean Ambrose yes. years, didn't he, that were, like, stretchy or something because yes. real jeans were killing. They look like they are wrestling in suits, and that is because they are, but that did sort of harm it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Keep the jackets. There's enough blood on those jackets and wear tights. It just felt like they were wrestling in suits. And another point is to slow it down a little bit um, and all the rest of it for what we've just said. But those suits, you can't really wrestle in those suits. I felt a bit like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Watching I, them wrestle in those suits you know where this is going, don't you? feel, where is it? So they're going to make spandex suits for Revolution. It's going to be like quadruple juice. Like yes. it's going to be their blood staying in their yeah. new like working suits. That's I'm glad you said that because I'm worried that they're going to wrestle in these suits until Revolution. It's like keep the jackets, but wear just trunks and tights. One thing I will say is that because it's the Young Bucks and they are not only 
restricting their own movement, they are wearing a tire that restricts their movement further still, right? It still can't help itself but resemble a banger by the last, like, <laughs> third of the match. Yeah. It just can't. Like, some of this was awesome. Like, there's a move where um, Danny uses Darius um, to use Matt Jackson as a platform to launch into a DDT. Um, Nick Jackson's just getting kicked in the face or kicking people in the face or whatever. Like, there's still it still breaks out into something incredibly exhilarating, even when that was not the point. Mm. They're just so good that they are... So good at showcasing the strengths of their opponents. And obviously you've got the uh, the excitement quota because Top Flight were doing Top Flight stuff and they were attacking them from the skies and all the rest of it and doing convoluted sequences. So you still got excitement out of it, but it's just so... It's just, again, it's going to take a while to get used to the Young Bucks depriving you of excitement when that's been the whole thing. Yeah, I... It's, uh, if anything, Talk about the finish after you got your thoughts on the body of the match. Somehow, I, like, I think I like this even more than you. Like, long-time listeners, viewers will be aware of my biases, and you know how much I love the Young Bucks. So that's going to come through here. I, this is the best thing on the show by miles for me. If the story is good, wrestle for the story more than than the wrestling. Don't Just wrestle. bangers on pay-per-view. Yeah, you don't wrestle. for them. You get enough of them. Yeah, don't wrestle for wrestling. Never more than ever do I believe this as well. Don't wrestle for wrestling's sake if you've got a better story that like, you can feed into instead on television. Definitely. Like, we've talked, you know, a lot this year about the like, inherent flaws of weekly episodic wrestling and overexposure and all the rest of it. Um, I want so much more of this drawn-in Young Bucks. So much more of it. And as you say, it's... Sting Soul Patch Goaties we should put over as well. Amazing touch. Like, that feels final form, doesn't it? Yeah. That, that's good to go. Um, yeah, like, the fact that, as you say, it does sort of burst out with them anyway at the end feels like a perfect compromise to me. I'm watching... I can immediately adjust to this new Young Bucks style, really enjoy it because it's completely in character, and then... I get bonus wrestling when I actually want it because they're making me like hungry for it a little bit. They're actually making you me want to see them some. get their asses kicked. Yeah, I, like I don't want to. I don't want to watch Young Bucks Top Flight 2020 right now because that's not what the Young Bucks are yeah. doing. And Top Flight should have advanced too. Yeah. I want something that makes sense in the right now. The Young Bucks are wrestling, and this is again. I'm. I, I just. I hope I'm not like onto a loser here, and it is going to be this. It is going to sting. It's a sting baby. It's going to go on last. It's not just that they're finally getting their tag team pay-per-view main event. They're a main event act. They're as a tag team and just a tag team, not elite base, not yeah. like any... This is a main event act. And they feel, to me, like the biggest stars they've ever felt in their own promotion. Maybe... 2021 was different. Maybe with the exception because the elite were just such an unbelievable force of nature for that product in 2021. But just the young bucks on their own yeah. as this team, they've never felt more big time and they're going into this enormous evocative match with Sting and Darby Allen. I, I, I want them on every show. And I know we're not going to get that because they've, they've skipped themselves to the top. I was hoping for more of these yeah. to get them to the tag title match. It's a shame they've just sprinted to it instead. It was a personalised graphic rather than an official AW Rankings graphic. So there might be a twist yeah. in this tale yet and I'll trust the Young Bucks to do it. Post-match, this is the important thing. So the finish is, as I mentioned earlier, um, just as they can't help themselves but work great matches, right? Just as it was starting to really fizz, they do the nut shot, EVP trigger, it's over. That's their new sort of finishing mm -hmm. sequence. 
um, which I think is important because you don't want to give them the exhilaration. That's not where the heat is with this version of the yeah. Young Bucks. Post-match, it's just weird watching them do post-match promos and being present and yeah. doing trad wrestling. It's class, but it's still surreal. It's all very surreal. I'm still getting used to it and enjoying it a great deal. Tony Schiavone like, talks about staying and Darby Allen and how could you do it, etc., etc. Um Matt Jackson, sorry, Matthew Jackson then points out, you know, we can hear you. Uh, you clutching your pearls over our conduct and we'll fine you. And, you know, how dare you? We brought you into this company and all the rest of it. And uh, Nicholas Jackson takes it much further by shoulder barging Tony Schiavone to the ground. One minor complaint about a wonderful angle yet again is that Wardlow did not only an attack kind of on Schiavone, but he did it three or four months ago using the exact same shoulder barge movement. Tony Schiavone is so beloved, mm. so goddamn beloved, that you should only do this once in a blue moon. I'm talking once every two years, because what happens is they get him down. There's a bit of heat, but it's not like, imagine if it never happened. Mm -hmm. Never once, ever. ever. This is, I keep going back to discipline is the key for professional wrestling. Anyway, so I'll pick him up off the floor, and they each get a hand, and you think, oh my God, that is the level of thought, detail, creativity, that I associate with the Young Bucks of old slash now new because the way they pick them up is the exact setup for the EVP trigger and they kind of tease it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't get that. Everyone in that building should be going, don't, oh, you can't no. do that. Yeah. It's Tony Schiavone. Maybe it's a bit too subtle. Anyway, anyway, Darby Allen comes out. He thwarts that, sends the Young Bucks scurrying and then we've got differing thoughts on a promo that I don't think either of us thought was that great. Mm. I like the idea of them invoking the name, no, no the, the the idea rather than the name of Cody Rhodes, especially now. Yeah. Because it's like, you can't talk about them at all, really. It's not how it's done, mm. especially in such like glowing terms. So I thought that was quite bold. There was a hint of realism there because it's something like, oh, you're not meant to say that. Yeah. And that's the whole point of the work shoot. But at the same time, it was a bit exposition-y. Here's my history with you, condensed from 2019 to 2024. I just don't buy the fact that the Young Bucks wouldn't have seen anything in Darby Allen. That is a that is a premise too far. Um, and as well, like, they killed you last week. Yeah. Why are you talking at them? Aye. Like, take your bat to them. The numbers advantage will take over. You should have tried to kick their ass a little bit. Like, when go out of the ropes. Your blood's on that jacket. You know how to do it. You miss all your way through them in every match. You yeah. know how to go between those ropes. Yeah. Yeah. I always forget about that. And so fed-brained, the invisible wall is actually visible to me. And I never consider that I could just attack them. Um, I don't love Darby Allen's delivery in these sort of promos. I've never really liked them. I, like we were talking in the office a little bit about this. The mystique is better for me than him such a great physical storyteller as well. He is. It's always in the matches where Dar like Darby Because you love the silent films. Yeah, those are no better. This is it. Like, I can't... I don't know how... Oh, I really like them. I, I don't know what them. I want out of Darby Allen as a way to promote his matches beyond just having matches, but then sometimes that's enough, you know, with the, with the way his character is and that. I don't think he comes across as a... He's on your very rare wrestlers who can just wrestle list. Yeah. There's not many of them, but I would watch Darby Allen matches on it? all day. Brett... Um, as great a promo as he was, if he never spoke, I w it wouldn't be any worse. Yeah. I would still have uh, wrestle. Who I would wrestle? I don't know. Brett and Darby Allen. Yeah, anyway, Brett, so what Brett did you think of the match in the post? Uh, the post match. Uh, 
I didn't love the promo, but loved the idea behind it. I'll just, I'll isolate my thoughts on one thing because I've seen a few separate, I didn't see a lot of takes in this Dynamite in general, but I saw some takes on this. I think it is an incredibly dated take of people to, oh, you can't be uh, putting Cody over. He's, uh, guys, he's in the main event of WrestleMania. That's their show. Right, bollocks. It's 2024. I think right? it's bollocks, but it's such a widely held belief that this is powerful as a result. Yeah. I'd like, use that, if anything, to, it feels like a bit of a transgression. For, for starters, I think AW, AW is its best when it kind of, Tony Khan tried to do this and more power to him for it. Just say out loud, they don't own wrestling. We exist to prove that. Yeah. And it's a bit like Brian invoking uh, WrestleMania, the night after WrestleMania when he was uh, going for Hangman Page. I'd offend about the next night, actually. Yeah. Where were you? Um, it's okay to put over WWE as like a good thing if it's a good thing. And in Cody's case, you weren't even doing I that. I knew you'd like this. No, you're not, they're not even putting over <laughs> the fence. No, they're I putting get, over I know, Cody. I know, I know, I know. Like, he is right now being cast as wrestling's hero. Biggest show in the world, biggest star in the game. He's being put over as wrestling's hero. He's like literally the best man now. Yeah. Because he's he's going to be that guy's yeah, best yeah, man. Yeah. Wrestling's hero thought Darby Best Miro. Wrestling's hero thought Darby Allen was a cool guy, and who's wrestling's other hero? Sting. And both of them think Darby Allen's a cool guy, and the Young Bucks don't. And that, to me, is really effective. I don't think it's anywhere near as sacred as it used to be, especially on AEW. It's one thing because WWE have always established this rule where it's just them and nobody else, and you'd never acknowledge anybody, and you get the ooh in the crowd when you hear another company's initials. Like, AEW's never been like that about other promotions, and I really don't... If anything, for the fact that they mention every other promotion going, and you can say and do whatever you want about your indie background, say ML New Japan, da 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 by not mentioning WWE, you almost put it over as something more than that. Yeah. Normalise it. Oh, I think there's another place where people work, and I, like, I thought that was... Uh, I thought it was pretty cool they just outright said it. Now, the elite all thought I sucked, but one guy didn't. And, like, God, I wish he was around again. I don't believe it. Well, I don't believe it about Kenny. Especially like it's the, a, the books would have loved Darby Allen. Of course they would have. Yeah, day, like the but, first match. But within the story, like it's almost as if to say, like, look what's happening now. That works, now that your powers, it does work you know? because Cody was the one who worked Darby early. Exactly. And maybe yeah. he did draft him in. I don't think he would have to. But you believe it in fight case, hard. I mean, did he see the scene at the time? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the people that they, they wanted to bring in. Yeah. Right, yeah. So but, they did bring in. Yeah. But um, I within kayfabe, it's. Uh, I, I just don't like it when it veers over to the. Um, didn't like it with double or nothing. Don't like it now. Something really makes my itch about mentioning like the Cali, Cali Click and the California Mates and all that sort of stuff. I don't know why, but I just think it's not very becoming of Darby Allen to speak like that. I think he gave Brandon Cutler and Jungle Boy jobs. Why would Darby, Darby Allen jumps off bridges for fun on a weekend? Why would that man care? That like some California friends of the young boys got jobs. He mentions it more than once, so evidently he does. He's actually got it's a CM Punk Miz thing. Maybe he's, he's like a shoot got into, and that's he why he, he said in. Cali Click about yeah. Perry like the the double or nothing build. Mm -hmm. It's anyway. a, it's a weird thing that he's gotten to about makes me Jack Perry was really good for a while. Yeah, didn't really work out after the Jurassic Ex after the Christian Cage program. Cutler's a nepo hire. It's great for a while. Cutler spray. Cutler's spray. Yeah, that moment is like a top three. AEW history. I just, it's, it's weird when Darby speaks like that. It's not him. Well, obviously it is him, but it, it's not my be. perception of him as a character. Nor should it be him. No. Um, Willow Nightingale, with the help of uh, Stokely Hathaway, defeats Sky Blue in the 
Just to check my notes. Yeah, check my notes. Yeah, the only women's match on Dynamite. And is it... Um, hang on, sorry. Where are my manners? The, uh, sorry, I'm just checking. The penultimate match on the show before the men's main event. Of course. Um, and again, because of the big heat angles, the violent matches, the high spots, hour and a half of Dynamite. It's time for the, the women. So they don't really get that much of a reaction. Willow does, and their match gets more heat than the usual low-stakes sort of... Uh, it's not anything special. The basic thrust of the match, some of which I personally found a little hard to buy, is that Sky Blue was finding strategic opportunities to use Willow's size advantage against her in one spot. Uh, Willow takes to the top turnbuckle, and Sky Blue hits a powerbomb. Yeah. Um, and it all leads to, with sort of regrettable NXT face, the idea that Sky Blue can't put Willow Nightingale away for love and the money, but she's kind of got the 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 momentum, momentum I guess. Yeah. Because uh, the idea is she hits Code Blue and she's going to win. Yeah. Do a visual pin that lasts 15 seconds, which I find ridiculous considering <laughs> how Willow Nightingale is the definition, and I don't really like this phrase, but she is a definition of must be protected at all costs, right? Mm. You know, that meme or yeah. whatever. Certainly that's true in wrestling because she's great and she's over and all the rest of it. And Stokely realizes, oh my God, she's in trouble. If I don't save her, Stat will think worse of me or whatever. Mm. Uh, goes to, I quite it's like it. Weak, it's weak, isn't it? It's weak. I, I think I want to like it more than I actually like it. Anyway, Stokely goes on the apron, distracts the referee, Willow can kick out the Code Blue after 15 count and then hit the Dr. Bomb for the win. And that's the whole match in the story and no one will ever remember in a million years. Aye, that... Willow's... It's just an afterthought, isn't it? I mean, I really like everyone involved and they're just getting completely underserved. I know the word is dying and maybe already dead, but Willow is yet another one of those wrestlers that is simply undeniable when she works. She's clinging on for dear life. There's certain things that she hits where you just think, well, she will always have work and ideally she gets good work because she can give and like she's so there's an obvious bond between the fans that people just will not give up on a willow nightingale but that doesn't mean that she's going to be booked well and i think that's what's going on here she's uh, almost too innately over for her own good yeah and i think she's very good at working the crowd and manipulating the crowd and actually strengthening that bond i don't think people could come out and say oh i like willow she's like really really good as well it's the old wwe utility curse I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. where so if you found yourself in that spot, you were knackered because you were always going to be used, but never going to be effectively used. You're never going to be pushed. You always just rely on, I don't have to do anything here. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think that like ultimately impacted the match because I think Sky Blue was given a lot with the knowledge of, and this was weird too. So Sky Blue was given a lot with the knowledge of what you were really focusing on was the Willow Nightingale, Stokely Hathaway storyline element of all of this. But in order to facilitate that, you give Sky Blue a ton of offense only for her to lose anyway. So it sort of feels a bit thrown away. And Sky Blue's got this sideways thing going on with Julia Hart, and that's going to feed into a tag match. And that was my other problem here. We're reaching a point now with Collision where like, we always cynically predicted that it would end up as another rampage, and it's, it sort of has. But a better rampage. A better rampage, absolutely. You, Real grabs rampage. You got him bother on X, didn't you, for saying it? There was dark elements of it's good dark. Good dark. The, Real grabs rampage. Good dark. Like one of your favourite roasts. Good and dark. Yeah, is that a coffee thing. I, don't know. I like light roasted because okay. then you get the acidity and the fruity flavours and the floral notes. What so is a dark roast like an alkaline? It's 
Well, like bitter taste. Bitter basically. taste, okay. Well, this left Acidity and bitterness depending well, this left on the level of the taste in my mouth, right? Because okay. what you mentioned the point, which I didn't think about, was no collision this week. Yes. And as part of that, this collision f- story, this fuad, ended up on Dynamite. It's probably a lot of people that were like, what's all this about then? Like they've never seen like that witch. Remember when some, somebody would randomly come off off Dark and it's like, well, in actuality, they've been feeding for seven weeks on Dark and here's a big one on Dynamite. And you would just say this, you would just say, what? <laughs> that was a bit this. And like the commentators were just like, well, of course, yeah, there's all this stuff for Stokely. Is that like the fans in the building didn't seem to know half what was going on. There's a Statlander component to this and Julia Hart component and they were absolutely nowhere to be found. I think this assumed a little bit too much of the Dynamite A-W. audience. A-W. Anyway, I should mention, uh, before that match or after it, uh, skip, my, skip my head on my notes, is that uh, the acclaimed and uh, Bullet Club Gold, the Bang Bang Scissor Gang, yep. have a little chat backstage. Jay White, what happened to that guy? He's one of six. That's what happened when you're one of six. And they say they should have a 12-man tag against some people. On Is it on Rampage? Oh, of course, there's no collision. So uh, it's to be to air after this, like, to, in yeah. front of this live crowd. Yeah. My God, Jay White. It's a problem. How good is he? I think people are, I don't know. I don't know anymore. I think I used to have an idea. I used to think he was very, very good to great at times. I wonder what the white Okada match will look like in an AW ring. I wonder how it will feel different. Heatless? Because they were so great more heatless than the clap crowd ones there. Yeah. Not being funny, like they've done a number on Jay White, and it's not a good premonition for everybody else not named Okada and Omega and Osprey and that tier. Hmm. I don't like it's. I think he's one of them wrestlers that gives what he's getting. I think when he's positioned in, like, I think he was trying. Uh, he was working I against. Was, I don't think he was good in the full gear build. No, he, he was working against the devil stuff, and I think he was othered a little bit as a result of it. It's kind I kind of set out that I remembered. It's all it's catchphrase stuff, isn't it? It's always yeah. he relies on his catchphrase. So well, he's, that, the, he's probably in the right group then. So that medicine's great garden with you, Kara. Yeah. You can build that Maybe, again. The Maybe he's in the right group. Well, I just, I, it's weird. He's too talented for this. I'm being facetious. He's too talented for this direct. That's why, that's Billy why I'm gun. I don't like the matches where Billy Gunn gets focused upon and the guns are not that great. But that's why I'm broadly in favor of this group because I don't I care about this the, group. I don't care about you're the acclaimed like, anymore. You're like, you're like, you know what you like? You're like the entrances. Tell me what I like, Dad. You're like, entrances are truth. Bang, bang, scissors, gang. Yes, continue. In the Fed. Yeah. Okay. That's loads of stuff. Basically, can he shout it? Yeah. Jey Uso. You like Jey Uso? I've been down since day one. I haven't because I used to think they were terrible. Um, No, no, I just think, I don't care that Jey White's not in main events. I don't either, but... I don't care that Jey White's not in main events. I don't care that... He's more than this. I don't care that the acclaimed aren't having loads of matches because I thought... A lot of the matches flattered to deceive ultimately as a trio, especially because you have to apparently build up to the Billy Gunn hot tag where it just dominates. So I lost interest in the claim matches. I've got no interest in Jay White in the main event right now because it's... I, I'm not saying I want to be in the main event. I'm just saying it's got to be better than this. But I like them enough as acts to have this. That's... that's I don't love that. I'm not... You know, Fundamentally. They're not the judgment day. I wouldn't buy the t-shirt, but I like them like... I like them as an act on television. So, oh yeah, these guys. Fundamentally, I don't know how your brain works. But I think... Weirdly, we'll have brain chemistry talking about the main event because we discussed it before we recorded. <laughs> People thought it was awesome because it was the tits. It was. Uh, yeah, I was clutching my pills like Tony Schiavone or Texas Deathmatch for a 
international title subplot on TV. It could have been an ODQ, but regardless, <laughs> this did just enough to preserve you're going to get some absolute chaos in a Texas death match in AEW. So it didn't heighten it, mm. enhance the legend, but it didn't detract from it either. Um, it was Matt Taven um, going up against Orange Cassidy. Oh, this match was like, it kicked so much ass on like a lot, a lot of different levels. So they had this uh, white hot start. Remember Full Gear 2019 when Omega and Moxley have their white hot start and then Moxley finds himself over the barricade and Omega just does this like kung fu kick <laughs> the barricade. It's like the best thing I've ever seen. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. So Cassidy kind of does a leapfrog over the barricade. There's hands in his pockets. Yeah. That sparks this sort of brawl in the crowd, which on the chain leads to the first sort of action set piece of the match uh, where it doesn't quite go well, but then it goes better than well, if that makes any sense whatsoever. So there's a table set up by yeah. the entrance stage, um, at which point obviously Taven's got the advantage because he's able to drape Cassidy over it. He goes for a diving elbow and the table just kind of goes... Yeah. Mm. Wilts a bit. Wilts, like, yeah. oh, a wilty table. There was a wilty table last week, actually. Hangman Page. That's right. You know what I should do? Get some Japanese tables. Yeah. I'm not even joking. Like, why? I know they say, oh, it sucks to go through them, they never break. Do it. The AW commentary table, as well, as we know, is too narrow because remember when they fell off? Remember the spot where they fell off? Like they were on the table. Who did? It was, um, ah, oh, it was in the Continental Classic. I think it was Swerve. Uh, and, uh, was it Swerve and Garcia, maybe? I can't remember. you got a better memory for this. But either... They were in different blocks? Yeah, it wasn't them Regardless. Too. Yeah, and they just... That table's quite narrow, isn't it? They were trying to move, and they just fell off. Yeah. They just slid off. Get some dance. Japanese tables. Yeah. So anyway... Or... Be a thinking man's wrestling and smash into the side of it. Or... Blade underneath it. Be, like... Be as ba Like, based? Is that the word? I don't know. I don't know that's got, like, a horrible etymology. I'll just use... Be as sick... His beast is Kenny Omega. Yes. Bump on the underside of a table, unless you're a bitch. Remember the Okada match where he somehow aimed it to perfection? Yeah, he's the best. The, the table's like about as narrow as this microphone stand. He was like, right, I'll just contort my whole body into the exact size of it and then sit in it. Yeah. It's the best. Perfect. So what happens is it goes, <laughs> table wilts. It's not exactly great. Taven is like, well, you know what? I'm a professional wrestler. I have the skill, or I should have the skill of improvisation. Ring of Honor crowds did that to me for about three years, so I can cope with this. So then he gets the table that does not break. He props it up against the side of the entrance ramp, just suplexes Cassidy through it. Really liked it. A great bit of improvisation. He instantly, it's one of those great rescue jobs of a match. You know what my favorite ever is? When the blood happens. Mm. This is 2010 fed. CM Punk Rey Mysterio mm. and there's blood and it's CM Punk's bleeding and he's like this match is dying on its arse all the momentum we built is lost I have to get stitched up the second that doctor yeah. gets out of there he goes sorry Ray," and just kills him <laughs> it's like I was like more into it than I had been when it was rocking yeah. so the match starts to rock when Taven with his brilliant improvisational skill um, actually gets a good table spot and then he kind of just they make their way, the pair of them, down to the ring via the ramp by Taven killing him on the ramp. Mm -hmm. These awesome strikes. Like, Matt Taven, I feel for him in a way because he's really, really great at that hybrid style that's kind of going out of fashion because people have seen a lot of it. And yet he's so great at it that I'm, like, bang into it when I watch him do it. Mm -hmm. Like, when they went back in the ring, he has this really cool way to, like, 
push back off the turnbuckle, roll his body to outwit Orange Cassidy and then launch into another strike. He eventually props Cassidy up against the table. Just to take a plancher spot. Oh my god. Face first. Wow. What a terrifying header he took. One of the best bumps on dynamite I've seen in quite some time. If they're doing that redesign in March, get that in the video package. Yes. It is a splat. It's a splat. Totally incredible bump from Taven, who's clearly dying for this opportunity. And fair play to him. A lot of people are praising him to the hilt, mm. and rightly so, um, this morning. Um, eventually, Orange Cassidy from Under the Ring retrieves a heart-shaped Valentine's box addressed to him from Chuck Taylor. I really like this. The best friends have always got this creative way around the plunder match yeah. and all these blow-offs. And it turns out there's not chocolate in there. There's thumbtacks. The thumbtacks go on the canvas. This is where, if I was feeling really pedantic, and I often do, I'd be like, right, okay, you're bumping on these tacks and you're not really selling them because I think they've realized we don't have much time left here. Mm -hmm. There's a much better version of this match if it's five minutes longer, but the fact that it isn't leads to this sort of like chaos and dynamite feel, if you like. Um, they trade spots on the thumbtacks and then chairs get thrown literally into the mix by Mike Bennett, whose interference is thwarted by Trent, who's again there to save Orange <laughs> Cassidy's ass, and maybe it's a thankless task and... Maybe that could sort of incite a development within the best friends, a split, if you like. And then eventually, after t after giving him a spike DDT on the thumbtacks, and then in his elbows on Taven's like, yeah. I'm done here. He gets beach breaked, and then one, two, three, and that's the end of the show. And my bloody Valentine, Orange Cassidy, I like him a lot more than I did last week. I I've always loved him, but I'm no longer bored of him. A complete triumph. This is so great. It'd be unfair to call it an over-delivery because as you point out, like Matt Taven probably doesn't get the credit he often deserves and Orange Cassidy is Orange Cassidy. However, it never on a graphic felt like the main event of a show. It never felt like a headline of the Texas death. Felt weird yeah. that it was even included on there because the best friends and the Undisputed Kingdom rivalry, it's not, even, it's not even really arrived at that point and yet they just accelerated there anyway. Um, I think basically they had some idea of some hard-shaped box plunder in, yeah. in Texas, so they thought that's all... Yeah, the wrestlers had to work up to the stipulation and did it. And I think like that was such an achievement on their part. Like I say, nothing to do with their individual abilities. There was a big gusher of a juice job on this show. Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy was covered in blood and... Hangman Page said the sh word. He did. That's what makes Dynamite Dynamite. These are the things. The two things. Tunnels in March, S-word, blood. Tunnels, S-word, blood. If you can get five, that becomes AW Smackdown Fist. If you can get five cliched things that's got to come back, then you've got the Smackdown Fist. Shut up. With, uh, with your pen holding it. Like that. Uh, match was great. Really, really great. Uh, you're, like the Orange Cassidy point, I think nobody... Honestly, I don't think. I think you're lying if you if you say so. Nobody honestly is suggesting this run is anywhere near as good as the last one. You just simply do not buy. It's weird. He's having matches like this. The Ishii one's another example where he's like getting his arse handed to him, and yet it doesn't feel like when he was selling injuries in the last run. Um, it was like he got his bandaged hand, and he was like, "Oh, now my back's knackering." This doesn't feel like that at all. Even though he's defending his title just as much, and in some cases in far more brutal matches, just because wrestling's fake, I guess, yeah. and that's not the story they're telling. Just a retread. Yeah. And yet, they get something like this. Uh, the, the two men get something like this. The energy was fantastic throughout. It's so hard to summon that energy, as we often say. Plunder matches are just as cliched and as overdone as 
wrestlers wrestler matches at this point, and yet this still felt fresh and innovative. Have to give credit to Tony Khan. This was a gutsy booking in hindsight. Showed a lot of faith in the wrestlers, and wrestlers repaired that faith with a match. So as I saw the Valentine's box, I was like, this is why it's allowed. Yeah, like people will remember this match. If only like for, if only for little spots like that. Um, I think the violence ultimately does get forgotten because it gets replaced by next week's violence. But the spot, for example, has been violent enough for me recently. The splash onto the thumbtacks when like I that's so preposterous when you think about it. But he in his mind he thought I have drilled Cassidy into these tacks. The tip of your dick goes on them. And what's gonna drill him into them even more? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's one thing to take a flat back, right? But he's like, I would take a flat back into tax. Effectively a frog splash. If you, if you paid me. The whole point of a frog splash what is... You, what if you dick? Use your own body as proportional to that other person's body, and you're doing that onto pins, and it's there, down there, like, uh, below, your, tip if you below your dick and balls. So, yeah, it's like... <laughs> he could have he had that happen to him. So, the, like, the risk wasn't worth the reward, but that's what happens when the men get what driven to it in... There was, like, a tip of the thumbtack like, in the urethra. Uh, wasn't there a spot on a garbage indie where, like, there was... Syringe dick, I think. Syringe, that was it. Hanging out with someone's cack. <laughs> someone's cack. Uh, this is not like a sort of syringe in your cack match. Next week on Dynamite, we've got to level up. Um, no. So great. Uh, Matt Taven's role within... Nothing will change. Matt Taven's no. role within Undisputed Kingdom, the Ring of Honor tag belts. None of it will matter. None of it will... This won't be that. Maybe a night from them. Yeah, maybe maybe AEW is more of a meritocracy now and this will be like a, a thing, but... We've got a Carter and Osprey coming in. <laughs> aye. A great night for a man that's probably had more than he's been given credit for in his career. Indeed. That's fair to say, isn't it? It's a fair to say, and it's a nice way mm. to end uh, the podcast. Um, we evidently enjoyed Dynamite to varying extents, but we both enjoyed it. Let us know what you thought of the show um, on X at WhatCultureWWE. Whilst you're there, you can follow Michael Hamflet at... Michael Hamflet. You can follow me at M. Sidgwick. Again, you can follow us all at What Culture WWE. Don't forget to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on uh, Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube, uh, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you very much for spending part of your day with us. We always appreciate it and enjoy the rest of it.